Hello and welcome back to the Finlay Carmichael PT podcast. In today's episode, I was joined by Kim Schlag, who is an online coach based in Philadelphia, uh, USA. And with her, we sort of talked all things health and fitness, but we delved into the depths of emotional eating, as well as on the training side of things, um, training for performance because Kim is a power lifter so it was great to see um, and get her views on training for performance rather than through simply physique based goals um, so this one's going to be of massive value to a lot of you I know that a lot of you will really enjoy it so please get this on your stories um, tag Kim, tag me and I hope you enjoy it here we go Kim, welcome to the podcast how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on. No problem. And whereabouts are you based? So I live in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So it's not too far from New York City, a couple hours south. Good, good. And how's lockdown been there? Oh, gosh. So my state um, was very tight on lockdown. So from March like 17th, three months of total lockdown. Nothing was open. There was nowhere to go. Three solid months. Those bans started being lifted in the beginning of the summer, but we're still like not completely like just free to do whatever. Um, our schools are not open. My kids school at know. home. Nope. My kids are right upstairs right now doing their schoolwork. Um, and, I don't and you're know sitting when... on a podcast. <laughs> Look, my kids are teenagers. <laughs> so <laughs> I texted them and said, I'm on a podcast. No one come to my room. Yeah, don't interrupt me. <laughs> do not interrupt me. Here are the rules. Keep working. So yeah, they're schooling from home. Um, restaurants are open. You, everything closes early. Every time I try and go to a store, like nothing's open. It's really, it's living in a different world right now. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And, and what about gyms? Are they open? Our gyms are open. Um, there's a lot of rules. You have to like set a time. Like the gyms are at such a small capacity. You have to wear masks. I luckily have a gym in my basement fully stocked. So I don't have to go anywhere to lift. Yeah, you're, you're safe. <laughs> I'm good. I Organized. never had that whole problem during lockdown. I had all my equipment here. Yeah, well, that's, that's all you need. Yeah. Um, so I know we're going to talk and go into emotional eating, but before we just go into that a little bit more, do you want to just tell listeners sort of who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I am a mom, three teenagers. I am a personal trainer, a nutrition coach. I came to all of this very late in life. I was not an athlete growing up. I was, no one would confuse me for a fit person. Um, I, I was always struggling. I was, did not struggle with my weight. Like as a teenager in my twenties, I was one of those people who always wanted to lose five pounds, right? Always chasing, losing five pounds. But when I started having babies, I gained 50 pounds with every kid never fully losing it all. So by the time I was in my late thirties, I was obese. Okay. And I had the dieting mentality of like, there's a trick out there somewhere. I just have to find it. So I tried all the diets, like you name a diet. I likely tried the stupid diet and kept getting bigger and bigger would lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight. And it wasn't until my early forties that I really got my act together started understanding the idea of like, it is literally about how much food I am eating, Yeah. <laughs> reduced my calories, found lifting, totally changed my body. And through that, people watched me do that and kept telling me like, hey, can you help me? Can you help me? So I did and eventually decided I should do that as a job. Amazing. And now, and you're, and now you're fully online, is that right? 
Yeah. So I started training women just here in my gym, one at a time, a lot of my neighbors, friends at church. Um, that's kind of, those were my first clients. And after, you know, some time of just training people one-on-one thought about the fact that I could make a much bigger impact online, started creating content. And now I train people all over the world on how to lose weight, how to heal their relationship with food. Cause that's such a huge deal, how to get strong and, you know, feel confident in their bodies no matter what your age, like I'm turning 50 next week. You don't have to, you don't have to be a spring chicken to do this. And you're, you're living the dream. I'm living, living the, the dream. dream. <laughs> living the dream. <laughs> um, so just tell us a little bit about emotional eating. Like, is, is there a certain definition that you would go by? You know, I think we're all kind of familiar with what it feels like, right? We're sad. And the first thing we do is like, I need ice cream. We're frustrated. And the first thing we do is start like, you know, slamming chips. It's kind of this, it's a coping mechanism that we have developed that doesn't serve us well. That leads to things like, you know, not being able to lose weight. We don't feel good when we do it, right? Does anybody ever like eat a bag of cookies and be like, that did the trick. I, my problem is solved, right? Yeah. It doesn't happen. But yet we do it over and over and over. Yeah. So if you were to put it in one sentence, what would you say? How to fix it or what it is? What it is, first of all. Uh, using food to cope with our feelings. Okay, nice. That's nice and simple. I like that. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was on the spot. Well yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so now just going into a little bit more about how you would fix it. What, what are some of the strategies that you might give to, to clients? So the first thing I would have people do is start noticing patterns. Just notice when do you do this? Um, Keep a note on your phone, like in your notes, and just like write down, like when do you notice that you eat at times when you're not hungry and it's just because there's a certain emotion attached to it and start writing those down. Like for me, like, and you, what you will likely see is that there are patterns. Um, I am very clear on my own personal patterns. When my kids stress me out, like if they start bickering and like pecking at each other, It's a time where I am tempted to emotionally eat. So I write that down. When I'm overwhelmed with work, when it just seems like it's building and building and building and building, and like I'm I'm not sure how I'm going to get it done and there are time crunches, that's a time when I tend to want to emotionally eat. And so now I know those triggers. So start noticing what are your triggers. Is it when you're tired? Is it when you feel overwhelmed at work? Is it when you're sad? Start noticing when does it happen. That's step one. Mm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a very common thing to sort of maybe have a stressful day at work and get in the door and then head straight to the fridge or whatever it might be. And it's not necessarily it might not be just food as well. It could be could be drink as well. But absolutely. Definitely. So like, you know, we're looking for a feeling. My friend, you know, Marcine Evans, she put it this way. Yeah. We were talking. She's like, we're looking for a certain feeling. Right. And we go for that feeling with food. We think that's the thing that's going to give us the feeling we want. Yeah. A, a sort of positive feeling. Yes. And yes. You, you do, you kind of think that it's going to give you a, a positive outcome and it might do for a, a very brief period of time, but long term, it's, it's really not going to, going to help at all. Absolutely. It's like this little bandaid, right? For those few moments while we're eating, we're not thinking about the thing that stressed us out, right? We kind of zone out but it so quickly goes away. And then not only do we still have the original problem because like chips aren't going to solve anything, right? That's not going to get our boss off our back or, you know, fix the problem with the lady at school, right? It doesn't actually fix anything. And now we have the issue of 
oh my gosh, I just ate 700 calories and I'm really stressed because I'm trying to lose weight, right? So it has this additional stress on us. Yeah. And I think that's where people then start to feel guilty about things. And then it ends up in a sort of cycle where you binge and then restrict. Do you you find that a lot with your clients? For sure. Because if they're at that moment and they're like, okay, I just ate all this stuff and well, what's the point now? I'm just going to keep eating. Now I'm going to go, I'm going to go pour myself a drink and you know, now I'm just ordering pizza. It doesn't matter. I've already messed up. Right. So they can really tend to go down into this, this spiral. Yeah. And so what would be your advice to anyone who sees, who maybe has that sort of trigger, they end up binge eating or even just eating a lot more than they planned. And then they have these thoughts of like, I feel bad. I feel guilty. What, what would your advice be to those sort of people? So the number one thing I would say is talk out loud to yourself, which I know feels absolutely ridiculous, but to remind yourself like, it is okay. I can change this in this moment, right? Like what the next choice I make still matters. The fact that I just ate all the cookies doesn't negate the fact that I still have power in this moment to make a different choice. Now I don't need to wait till tomorrow. I don't need to wait till Monday. I'm choosing something different now with the next thing I do with the next bite I do. I'm getting back on track. However you want to put that, but talk out loud to yourself so you can hear yourself and you know, feel what you're feeling, which is you feel kind of crappy but make your actions align with the choice you want. Like you want to, you want to feel back in your power. Should, you know, right now I am stopping this. I'm going to bed. I'm going for a walk. I'm going to play with my kids, whatever it is. You know, I'm going to go make a real meal. I'm going to take an action that is going to put me back in my power. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely all about that taking action thing. And it's a lot of people I think feel like they are out of control. Um, And I think that's, I think actually that's a big reason why, as to why people find tracking their food so beneficial, um, because it allows them to feel that little bit of control. And even like if they, well, do you do you have your clients track their food? I do. Not all of them. I'm not, I'm not going to push anyone to track their food if it feels like it's not a great fit. But more of my clients than not, over 90% of my clients track their food. Um, if they're not tracking their calories, they're following another system, um, such as you know three plates, one snack, or they're doing things like eating until satisfied, not stuff. Like they have a set of habits that they're working through. There is some kind of structure to their day. And so just for those that don't know, what, what is the three plates, one snack? So um, Jordan Syatt came up with the three plates, two snacks rule that he uses a lot. I have my clients use that structure. A lot of them just do one snack. Um, and it's literally as easy as that. You eat a plate every meal is a single plate, regular plate, not a platter, right? <laughs> so it's all on one plate. And that is what helps control the total calories. The way I set my clients up with it is half their plate is vegetables, quarter of a plate is protein. And that last quarter of a plate can be literally anything they want, anything they want. It can be. And that, and then what we can do over time is if they're not losing weight with this structure, then the snack, I missed this part. The snack is going to fit in the palm of their hand. It's going to be either a fruit, a vegetable or a protein. Okay. If doing that isn't enough, to help them lose weight, then we can start tweaking things. We can start looking at like, all right, what's in that quarter of a plate? How high are you stacking that last quarter of the plate? You know, are you really sticking to the three plates like in those kinds of things? But it's a really good place to start to control calories without counting them. Yeah, that's a, a very handy, handy sort of structure. And for those of for those people that do 
maybe or don't like tracking food, it definitely gives them another way to still feel in control of what they're doing without feeling mm-hmm. like um, things will spiral out of control. Yeah. Um, so, but just on the sort of counting, losing weight without counting calories thing. So is there any other basic techniques that you might use apart from the, the three plates, two snacks? Yeah. So one of the other methods I use with a lot of my clients, it's called the lean habits method. Georgie fear, uh, uh, wrote this book and I've led a ton of clients through this. And so four habits are like the base habits. The first one is you start all of a sudden, well, I just had a menopause moment here, total blank mind of what the <laughs> habits were. I'm thinking like, what am I saying? So the idea is that you wait to eat until you're hungry. Okay. That's the first thing. Okay. You have three meals in a day with no snacking, which is a big change for a lot of people. Okay. So yeah. you eat three meals. There are no snack times. Yeah, so in you, want, you want your meals to be good, good sizes, pretty filling. Exactly. And we work to that. So the first habit is literally you just eat three times a day, no snacking in between. Once they have that down, we have them work on waiting to eat those meals until they feel hunger in their belly, like actual true hunger. We practice what does it feel like to be hungry versus what does it feel like to emotionally eat? And we, and we, you know, we can still talk a little bit more about how to cope with emotional eating. Um, but that idea of like, I'm eating because I'm physically hungry. It feels like this empty, hollow sensation in my belly. Okay, I'm going to feel that. And I'm going to sit with that feeling and wait for 30 minutes. Once I feel that, then I eat my meal. Okay, that's habit two. And then habit three is knowing when to stop eating just enough. And so then we practice, what does it feel like to be satisfied? What does it feel like to be stuffed? And like, what is the gray areas in between? And we really help them slow down their eating and practice, you know, leaving bites behind on their plate, not just eating because there's food on their plate. So they eat just enough. And then the final habit is the first time we actually look at what is on that plate, right? At that point, like we've already worked for many weeks and we haven't even talked about what they're eating. And then we start talking about eating mostly whole, minimally processed, nutrient-dense food and having that be 80 to 90% of their food. And then that last 10 to 20% being, you know, whatever they want, whether that's cookies or chips or cake or those kinds of things. And those habits are enough to get somebody losing weight. And they're the kind of habits that I work on all of those habits with my clients who do track calories. Because even when you're tracking calories, you don't want to do that forever. Like that's no way to live for the rest of your life. So you need some way to still manage your total volume of food. And so if they build these habits of like, I'm a person who eats when I'm hungry, not just because I eat, right? That helps. I'm a person who eats mostly nutrient dense food. That helps. And so I help build those habits into the calorie tracking piece of it. Nice. I like that. And uh, just what you touched on there about the, it's almost like the identity based goals. Um, And I'm the type of person who. um, Yeah. So trying to focus just this is going a little bit off topic now, but on, on habits and trying to like, what are some good habits that you might try and to push people towards? For example, um, so, sorry, not habits, goals, um, as in trying to become the type of person who doesn't miss a workout, trying to become yeah. the type of person who eats minimally processed foods. Like what are some of the, some of the goals that you might push people towards. Okay. First of all, I have to say, I love the way you said that. That's the, those are literally the words I use with my clients. I think those are really powerful words. Um, I'm, I am becoming a person who, or like, or I'm practicing being a person who, because a person can feel really like not defined by like, they, they define themselves by like, I'm a person who overeats or like, 
I've had people come to me, they're like, I'm just kind of lazy. And I'm like, whoa, like that's no way to talk about yourself. And so I, I quickly help them start saying things like, I am practicing being a person who moves every day. I'm working on being a person who works out three to four times a week, right? And I think that language is really important to help people realize like, all right, maybe I'm not there yet. Maybe I'm not that person now, but that's who I'm becoming. That's who I'm shooting to be. And that's what I'm practicing. I think that's super important. All right. So actually like big goals that I want people to have, I want people to move every day. Um, You know, 10,000 steps is a great goal. It's made up. Um, I, I didn't realize that. And I think there was... Some, this became kind of common knowledge in the past year or two that was made up by like a, a, a Japanese marketer in the 60s, right? But it is still a really good goal to get people moving 7,500 steps to 10,000 steps a day. Like how do we get people moving more? So I really like that as, as a good goal. I want people to get strong. And so I like to help people figure out what excites them in the gym. For a lot of the women I work with, it's getting their first push up, getting their first pull up you know, banging out a set of five push-ups, um, deadlifting their body weight or, you know, one and a half times their body weight, being able to do a back squat. Um, I'm really big on people picking performance goals that excite them. It doesn't have to be the thing that excites me. Look, I, I like to chase big deadlifts. That's my thing. I like to, recently I did my first pistol squat. Right now I'm working on a single arm push-up. Like I think having these kind of goals that are performance-based that have nothing to do with how our body looks is really, um, it's exciting. And if a person's goal is weight loss, it gives them something really concrete to look at, look at um, while they're trying to lose fat, which is kind of a boring process, right? That's not nearly as exciting as like, hey, now I can do a push-up. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. In fact, when I, I had Jordan on the, the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think it was now, and he was um, talking about the whole benefit of the performance-based goals rather than constantly looking in the mirror and worrying that you don't look good enough or you don't like this part of yourself. And it's a much more positive way of looking at changing your body because you're not focused on all the negative parts. You're focused on, on so much more of the positive parts. Absolutely. Like you're heading towards something, right? You're not running away from something. It's not like I'm trying to get away from being a person who's overweight. Like I'm heading towards being a person who can bust out push-ups. It's really exciting. Yeah. And it is exciting. And um, I know that you do powerlifting. That's right, isn't it? I do. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Wait, what age did you start doing that? Did you say? I was 45. I was 45 when I started powerlifting. Yeah. um, I had never heard of the sport before. So when I was overweight and I started lifting, the crowd that I kind of fell in with, the guy who helped me start lifting and who he followed and then who I started to follow, they were all bodybuilders. And so I thought I wanted to be a bodybuilder. Like in my mind, that was like the next natural progression. Like I've gotten really lean. I'm going to be a bodybuilder. And the closer I got to actually being like, I'm going to hire a bodybuilding coach, I had a couple of problems. Like one was I just, I worried that it was leading me to a very unhealthy place. Like I was watching these people and I was like, I've worked really hard to get here and feel healthy. And I feel like I might be going somewhere unhealthy. And then the other thing was I didn't want to have to put that little bathing suit on and turn around and show everybody (laughs) my butt. (laughs) It's like, it just didn't go with my sense of modesty. And so I was kind of- Yeah, exactly. I was kind of like, I didn't feel right about it, but then it was kind of, it bummed me out because I liked the idea of this goal. And I just at that time happened to stumble upon this thing that was women's, this women's powerlifting group. And it was this like group program. And I'm like, what is this? And so I was like, oh, wait, like, here's a goal I can train for that doesn't involve any of that other stuff. And so if you don't, if you're listening, you don't know what powerlifting is, you try and lift the heaviest as you can with three lifts, your squat, your bench, and your deadlift. 
and they total those three together and that gives you your meat total and you compete um, against other people in your age range and in your weight class at these at these three lifts and you get three attempts at each lift and it's really really fun so i started training to do that um and i've done four meets now and you know i really want to keep going i just think it's i think it's a lot of fun that's good and so that must massively have changed your mindset around um training for physique wise v training to perform better yeah and the interesting thing is they go hand in hand like the stronger i got the better i looked right like yeah. you know i'm not down there in the gym like if you hear power lifter ladies and you think like i don't want to look bulky that's i'm I'm five foot three and I weigh 135 pounds, you know, like I'm a size two, like I'm not, I'm not any kind of giant. Um, you look, it, and a lot of that has to do with your nutrition, right? It's like the size of you has a lot to do with your nutrition, but if you get your nutrition in line and you train heavy, like you can create a physique that you will really like. Yeah. So with, with a lot of your clients, how, how many times a week does the average client train? Three to four, three to three four to times four. per week. Mm-hmm. And what so is that predominantly weight training that you would do with them? Yes, my my clients' programs are all strength based. Um, so they have the strength based component and they have the daily movement based component. So I give everybody a step goal. They're supposed to be moving, and that varies depending. I start where they are. So if I get a client and they're walking three thousand steps a day when they start with me, we move them to thirty five hundred, and then forty five hundred, and five thousand. We move them up across the day, and then their strength training. So when they actually go into the gym, it is all strength-based. Um, we start with a heavy lift. If they have barbells, we'll go that way. If they don't want to lift with barbells, they don't have them, we'll do dumbbells. But whatever equipment they have, we're doing squats and deadlifts and um, push-ups and pull-ups or pull-downs. Uh, we're doing lunges. We're doing these big kind of lifts. We're not, you know, we're not just doing bicep curls and, and those kinds of things. We do those. My, my ladies do those, but, you know, a little bit at the end of the workout. Yeah, rather than a full two-hour yeah. session on purely arms. Yes, we're not doing. We I don't have arm day with my clients. You know, <laughs> if look a lot of like most women when women come to me, they want their stomach to be smaller, they want their butt to look nicer, and they want their arms to look good. This is what everybody wants to work on, and that's great. And we focus on that, and that we hit their triceps, you know, the back of their arms, that part. Everyone's like, ugh, I don't like that. We work on that through our diet. You know, we lose body fat, and we train chest press, do a lot of that, right? And that really works in the back of your arms. And at the end of the workout, you know, sure, we'll do some, we'll do some tricep overhead presses and, and press downs and those kinds of things. But training the big movements is really what gives them, it's the big bang for your buck kind of stuff. Yeah. I think, I think that's where a lot of people, especially females actually get confused because I think a lot of them expect to just go in and do bicep curls, dips, whatever, whatever sort of exercise it might be, and just focusing on that one body part. Yeah. Whereas, whereas what you said there about, um, same with my clients, like glutes, stomach, um, arms, and and legs as well are, are the main priority for a lot of women. Yeah. So what what sort of tips would you give those women? Um, one, you got to get your nutrition under control. We all want to do this with our exercise, right? We want to run off our way. We want to get toned legs by running and all those kinds of things and stepping up on the stair step. It's so much your diet. You've got to get your total calories under control, um, including eating plenty of protein. And then I would say if you are a person who is prioritizing cardio over strength training, 
flip that, flip that ratio. Nothing wrong with doing some cardio. If you like it, um, it's great for your heart. Do not spend most of your time in the gym focusing on getting your heart rate up and getting sweaty and getting out of breath and doing these circuits that have you moving a lot um, fast. Focus on building strength. Get stronger over time at squats and deadlifts and lunges and glute bridges and hip thrusts and push-ups and bench press. Like focus on those moves and really focus on getting stronger at them. That is the key. You can't go in the gym all the time and lift the same weight for the same number of reps and expect to see anything different happen. Yeah. You will look the same. I, I, you know, people do it. They go to the gym year after year and they still look the same or they're doing beach body videos year after year. And they're not sure like why they, why do I still look the same? Well, because you're still losing 10 pounds, Shirley. Like you're using 10 pounds. You've used 10 pounds for three years. You've got to, you've got to lift heavier weight. Yeah. It's like the, the quote, nothing changes if nothing changes. And you need to make yeah. sure that you're progressively overloading your training. So, um, adding more weight and it doesn't have to be weekly, but how, like, so if you got a new client come to you and they weren't sure about how heavy to lift, what would your advice be to them? So we're going to start them with body weight only for all the moves that that's appropriate. Obviously, you're not going to do a dumbbell row with a body weight. You're going to use the lightest weight possible. So either body weight or the lightest weight possible, and you're going to get your form looking perfect. Like you want, it, you want your form to look really good. When you're confident in your form, you want to start increasing that weight. You need to make it heavy enough for whatever rep range is written on your training plan. So if your trainer writes three sets of eight, every single set, by the time you get to rep eight, it should be so hard. Okay, you don't, you don't stop when you get to eight just because you did eight reps with whatever weight is in your hand. By the time you're at rep eight, it should be hard enough that you should be working really hard and you should know with good form, I could do this one more time. Maybe I could do it two more times. I could not do that three more times. Maybe I couldn't even do it twice. It should be, and that's when I talk about intensity. When somebody says your workouts need to be intense, that's the kind of intensity that's going to get you results. You might not be sweating doing that. You might be. You might not be out of breath doing that, but it's going to feel hard, and chasing that hard every single set is important. Yeah, and it's, it all comes down to making it as intense as you can and, and, and definitely pushing yourself um, yeah. because it, it is very easy And um, to, for example, if you're trying to do three sets of eight, you can get to 10 reps and or you could get to eight reps and stop when you know you could probably have done 10, done 12, done 15. And yeah. if that's the case, then, then the weight isn't heavy enough and we need to increase it. And that's where most women find themselves. I will say like, if you start doing this and your form is compromised, you can't quite get to the end of their rep range, that weight is too heavy, put it down and pick up a lighter weight. Most women don't have that issue when they start. The problem is they're picking up too light of a weight, right? You know, like most women I start working with, they don't even have anything over 15 pounds. And I'm like, honey, you got to go out right now and order more weights. Like, well, <laughs> I won't need those for a while. I'm like, for your lower body exercises, before you know it, you're going to need 30 pounds, 35 pounds, 40 pounds. I mean, you just, you will, you're going to need that weight and it surprises them. Yeah. I've got someone just now who I'm training and they're at home. Um, the gyms are open here, but she's training at home and um, I think she's got like 16 and a half kilos. So that'll be 35 uh, pounds, something like that. I can 35. never do that math in my head. 2.2. 2. I know. I, yeah. I've 35, my calculator out. Yeah. <laughs> 35, 40 pounds or something yeah. like that. And, and yeah. she thought that would last ages. Um, and yeah. she's just actually gone out and ordered a, a squat rack and a hundred kilos. So that's like 220 pounds yeah. of weights. And she, she didn't think that she would need that, but it just, it just shows how, how quickly you can progress um, and how much, it, how much you, you really should be pushing. 
Yeah, absolutely. So what are some, some of the benefits that you've found through competing? Oh, through competing? Um, you know what? It's really just shown me what I can do in my own life. Like I'm a strong person and I did not think of myself as a strong person before I started lifting. I didn't think of myself as a strong person. And you know, when you throw some heavy weight on a bar and you don't think you can do it and then you can do it, you start realizing like, I can do a whole lot of stuff. Like I can do really hard stuff. Um, you know, and that's what's given me the confidence to go online and like, you know, put myself out there as a coach and like go on live video and make podcasts. That's, that's not who I was like for a long time. Like I was a stay at home mom. Like this is really way out of my comfort zone and, you know, like creating a web page and like, I'm terrible at tech, like historically. And the confidence I have to do that stuff is because I pushed myself to get strong physically in the gym and competing for me was a big part of that. Um, I like having that goal, this like deadline, this date that I'm going to like be able to show my stuff. And look, not, not all my meets have gone well. I've had meets I did terribly at, um, but it was still, it was still a good experience because then I'm like, all right, now I need to show that I can like get up and do it again. Yeah. And it's all about just proving, it's proven to yourself and putting a bit of self-belief into yourself to, to prove it that you can do it. Um, and then, yeah, like, as you say, definitely getting out of your comfort zone, pu pushing yourself to be uncomfortable. Um, it's not a pleasant thing to do, but it, it pays off in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And I also, the other thing I really like about powerlifting meets is, you know, um, apparently back in the day, there were not very many women there. Now you go to a meet, like I, I have full, so you, you're grouped in what's called flights. And there are sometimes two flights of just women. Um, when I lift, like it's all women and we're talking young women, like there are teenagers there. I have lifted with like 75 year old grandmas. Um, it's, it's incredible. And everything in between in the community is just really strong supporting one another. And so it's kind of like, if you hear this, you're like, I could never do that. Think about it like signing up for a 5K. Like anybody can sign up for a 5K, right? You don't need to like be a marathon runner to sign up for a 5K. And a powerlifting meet is really the same. Like there are some basic standards. You have to be able to bench press at least the bar. You have to be able to deadlift at least the bar and the 45 pound plates. Uh, you got to be able to squat the bar. Pretty much that's it if you, to, to full depth. If you can do those three things, which is not going to take most people a long time to get to, you can sign up for a meet and just kind of see where you're at. And it really is like signing up for a 5K. It's not all these professional lifters there. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's great. And yeah, as you said, like that's, that's allowed you to, to focus less on your body, but still make improvements to your body. Absolutely. Uh, and I saw a post you did the other day about losing someone, I think it was one of your clients that said they were losing two pounds a month, um, but they were finding it was too slow. Everybody right? thinks too, it sounds so slow, right? Two pounds a month. They're just like, that sounds like nothing. Okay. You do that for a year while lifting heavy and eating enough protein. You look like a different person. You look like a different person. And that's the, the post I did. I showed a, a transformation photo of one of my clients who went from, you know, looking pretty soft and squishy to just like rocking a bikini. Yeah. And that's, that's a massive goal for a lot of people. And, um, even though, even though just now it's doubtful that we'll get anywhere to, well, we we might not hear and um, get anywhere to go in a bikini. Um, <laughs> it's it's definitely a good a good goal. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people become very impatient and they become very focused on the scales. So, what advice might you give people who were who are being impatient? It doesn't serve you well. You know, it's a, it doesn't serve us well to be impatient. 
And you know, one of the things that makes us really impatient when we're losing weight is thinking that everybody else is doing so much better than us, right? They're not. You know, we get it. I, I call it the biggest loser mindset. Here in America, that TV show just wrecked people's expectations of what normal weight loss is. Yeah. That is not normal. And I thought that show was super cool back in the day. That is not normal. It's not healthy. It's not what's going to happen to most people. Um, so going into this with the mindset of what is good progress? And I drill this into my clients from the first time we're on the phone. Like, I'm going to be thrilled for you. We're going to be excited if you lose half a pound to, to two pounds per week. Okay. And I always tell them, I'm like, think about that first number I just said, half a pound, <laughs> half a pound a week. If we get to the end of the month, that's two pounds. And then we don't just look at the scale. We look at measurements. We look at progress pictures. I have everybody send me progress pictures. This is really important. People listening, take pictures of yourself, whether you have a coach or not, that when you decide you want to lose weight, put on as little clothing as possible, full body, head to toe, front, both sides, and the back. Do that every month, wearing the same clothes in the same lighting. It is so motivating. Even if the scale feels like it's moving slowly, you and, you, and put those pictures side by side. I use an app called PicStitch. And it's very different than like looking here and then looking at the next picture. You might not see the differences, but you put those two pictures next to each other, you will be like, wow, my glutes are higher. Uh, the cellular on my legs is not nearly as apparent. Uh, that roll that was under my bra line isn't there anymore. And seeing that and seeing like, okay, it's, it's been three months. I've lost only, I'm putting this in air quotes, I've only lost six pounds, but then I see all these visual changes. It's incredible. So use pictures, use measurements, use the scale, um, use that all together and really pay attention to the fit of your clothes. Put a pair of pants on or a skirt with a waistband when you decide you want to lose weight. Notice how they feel, okay? If they're too tight, if you don't like how they fit, notice that. Try them on every couple of weeks. And then it's really like tangible progress. What are, who cares what the scale says if you're fitting in your favorite jeans again, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's very easy to focus on the scales, but there's so many different markers that that people should be looking at and um, how you're feeling, like how your clothes are fitting, your confidence levels, all these things come into play. And just by, I think a lot of people put themselves down by jumping on the scale Maybe it's not changed. Maybe it's only changed a little bit, um, but not as much as people might expect it to. And then they end up feeling guilty. They, they end up beating themselves up and then just think, thinking, oh, it's not worth it. Like this isn't working for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and learning to use the scale properly is a skill. Um, it takes time to do that. Most people get on the scale and they think that number is how much they weigh. And that is how much body fat they have. And then they look at that number compared to yesterday or compared to two days ago. And like, there's a lot of emotion involved there because the scale goes up and down. And so it's really important to learn to use the scale appropriately. And the way to do that is to measure frequently. I do prefer daily. If you listen to that and you're like, I am not weighing myself every day, I would say minimum three times a week, like bare minimum, or don't weigh at all. Like don't weigh at all. If you're going to weigh once a week, I would say don't even bother. Like it's such bad, it is such bad information to weigh one times a week and have four measurements of your weight in a month. Minimum three times a week, preferably daily, write it down, you know, and put it away. Like it doesn't mean anything. That number in any one moment doesn't mean anything. And then look at the trend over time. Watch with that daily. What does your weekly average do over the course of 30 days? I don't even, I won't even talk to my clients about their weight the first month. If they say like, what do you think? Like, how's it going? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not even looking. Like you're sending it to me every day, but I'm not looking at that number. I'm like, we'll talk, we'll talk next month. And then we can see like, 
what happened over the course of a month. We compare today, what's today, October 1st, with September 1st. Like, what is the trend? Is it down? It should be down. If it's not down, then we can see like what's going on. But looking at today's weight compared to yesterday's weight, that's just going to mess you up because it could yeah. be three pounds, four pounds, five pounds different depending on, did you eat more salt? Did you eat more carbs? Did you have a heavy workout? Like, do you have to poop? Like, it, there's just too many factors. Yeah, there's, there's so many variables. But for anyone who's not sure about um, why you might weigh three times a week, like what are the benefits of weighing daily or, or three times a week over weighing once a week? So because it only captures this moment. So let's say I weigh every Saturday and I used to do that. So I, like I told you, I did all the diets. So I did Weight Watchers back in the day and they had a weekly weigh-in. And wow, would I gear up for that weigh-in. I would make sure that Thursday and Friday, because I would weigh Saturday morning, I didn't eat very much. And like, I would try and eat as little as possible and drink as little as possible. And I would show up to that scale wearing as little clothing as possible because that was really important, like what I weighed in that moment. But remember, when you step on the scale, it only tells you what you weigh in that moment. So the more data points you have, just like a scientist doing any kind of experiment, they would be collecting all the data they could, right? We're looking for data. So if you weigh once per week, the factors that can affect that Fat and weight are not the same thing. Your weight can be affected by like, if you ate more salt, let's say you ate Chinese food the night before, wow, the scale could be up three pounds just because of the salt. If you ate more carbs, like every gram of carbs brings along with it three grams of water. So salt brings more water. Carbs bring more water. Water isn't fat. Water is water, right? It's just a number on the scale. And so because of those variables, and then we put the menstrual cycle into it, ladies, right? Like how many... How many, many times a month, you know, are you up, well, obviously one time a month, you're up, you're up like three, four, five pounds because of your retaining water, because of your cycle. And so just measuring once a week is not giving you the data you need to, to include those fluctuations. If you do it daily, you can start to see trends. You can start to see trends across the month. Okay, this is what happens when I have my period. This is what happens when I have a heavy lift. This is what happens when I eat more carbs than usual. And it's very normal that it fluctuates and people need to see that it's normal. And you can't see that with once a week. You see nothing. You can see almost nothing with once a week, which is why I really prefer daily. All of my clients either way daily or we just don't use the scale. We just use pictures, measurements, and fit of clothes, which is totally fine too. There's nothing wrong with that. What the problem is, is weighing, like weighing every so often just to see, it's just going to mess with your mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's about that. A mindfuck. It's, it's funny how you were, you were saying there about the water thing because I, I used to have a, a guy and I think I think he was Slumming World or, or I think it was Slumming World that he did. And um, he, the night, the day before, he would come in and I would say, oh, like, are you ready? He was going to Slumming World. So I said, oh, are you weighing in today? And I knew it was his weigh-in day. And he said, yep, I've drank no water all of yesterday. <laughs> and then he'd, he'd go... He'd be down in weight, but then he'd just he'd just drink a load of water, and and he he, he actually thought water was unhealthy. So, oh gosh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. So, <laughs> I to uh, I totally get where he's coming from. That's how I was every week when I weighed in at Weight Watchers. And interestingly, I think it affected my weight, like my actual fat loss as well, because after that weigh in, I would be like, okay, like I have another week before I have to weigh in, and so I'd have like this big cheat meal on a Saturday, and then it would kind of be out of my mind, like for a day or two. And then like midway through the week, I'd be like, I got to get my acting gear. Right. And so there'd almost be this like on off every week of, uh, when am I really working to uh, make progress? And when am I kind of relaxing? And that, that didn't help my progress at all. Yeah. And it's, yes, it's a, it's a tricky one, but, um, and it, it comes back to the whole emotional eating thing. Um, yeah, just, just comes back to it because 
you've you've maybe had a really good week you've managed to lose a bit of weight and you think weigh in right i'm down i can relax now and then diet's over um but what would be your three top tips for anyone trying to lose weight okay three top Top three tips top three tips number one no matter what you do to lose weight no matter what diet you use, like you can pick any diet out there. You want to use keto, you want to use carnivore. That's dumb. Don't use it. But if you did, any diet you pick, (laughs) no matter what diet it is, it is working only if you're in a calorie deficit. It's so important for people to realize that that is the thing that is making them lose weight. Because once you know that, you can realize I can pick any diet I want. What fits in my life? What feels good to me? Um, What do I hate? You know, do I like eating carbs? Do I not like eating as many carbs? All of these things can work, low carb, high carb, it can all work. You just need to understand that energy balance, how many total calories you're eating is what is driving your results or not. And it doesn't mean you have to count calories, but calories is the thing. I think that's super important to realize that piece of education is just the basis of success. Second thing I would say is get rid of deadlines. A deadline is cool for something like I'm going to have a powerlifting meet and I'm going to train for it. A uh, a deadline is not cool for I want to lose X number of pounds by X number of date. And I'll tell you why it doesn't work well. It it rarely ends well. Let's say you're like, okay, I want to lose 30 pounds for my brother's wedding three months from now. The way the scale works as it fluctuates up and down you now, if you know you lose 30 pounds in three months, you need to lose 10 pounds in one month. And even if if we picked a really normal number, like I'm going to lose you know, six pounds or four pounds, four pounds in a month or two pounds a month, whatever it is, you pick a normal number. The second you see that the math is not adding up and you're like, wait, if I didn't lose X number of pounds, this, oh, now I need to focus harder. And you'll do dumb things, right? You start like, I'm going to like cut out all carbs and I'm going to run four times a day. Like you start doing dumb things as you see the math not adding up and it causes you to quit because you can't keep that up. Whereas if you took that deadline totally out of the picture and you focus literally on what are my daily action steps, right? I'm going to eat this number of calories. I'm going to eat this number of grams of protein. I'm going to walk this many steps. I'm going to work out this many times a week. And you just focus on those things, which by the way, you can control those things. You cannot control the scale, right? You focus on the things you can control and you laser focus on those. You could actually reach the deadline you want, but the deadline itself screws you up. So get rid of deadlines. That was a really long number two. Um, I like it. <laughs> uh, number three. Um, all right. What did I say already? What's the first one? Calorie deficit. Calorie, calorie deficit. Not using deadlines. No, no deadlines. And then the third one is it's, I'll make it short. It's just going to take longer than you think. You got to be more patient than you think. And, and when I say this, you might get a goal weight in mine. Like I want to be 135 pounds and you might get to 135 pounds and be like, this is what I look at 135 pounds. It's just going to take more time. You know, just keep, Keep lifting weights. You know, it took me years before I was like, wow, this is what I really thought I was going to look like three years ago. If you want to look toned and fit, that is muscle and that takes time. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing about it. I think a lot of people have unrealistic expectations and they might see a before and after on Instagram or they, whatever else they might see and expect that just to happen to them. But really, you've got to understand the background behind that, that sort of person, that transformation. Um, yeah. So, yeah, thank you very much for that. I'm sure the listeners will have got plenty value. Um, Where can they find you? 
Kim Schlag Fitness. Let me spell my last name. It's a hard name. S-C-H-L-A-G. Kim Schlag Fitness is where I'm at on Instagram, um, where I'm at on uh, YouTube, on Twitter. On Twitter's not, I'm, I'm on there, but not that much. Um, <laughs> I have a podcast. Uh, you can look at Kim Schlag Fitness Podcast. It's called the Fitness Simplified Podcast. Um, that's where I put a lot of my best content is in my podcast. And the podcast. I like yeah. to talk if you didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, thank you very much, Kim. I hope sure you have a nice day. And thank I'll you speak for to having you soon. Me on. No problem at all. Um, have a nice day and I'll speak to you soon. All right.